Ladies and gentlemen, around the world, this is Gavina T.K. Kirkland. You're listening to the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. To the fans around the world, you know we've been doing this over seven years. Shout out to Charlemagne the God. Um, I meet some interesting people, and this is no different. Met a guy a couple of years ago, like he's real quiet dude. You wouldn't think he did what he does, own businesses, own part owners of a few things. But it's like I tell my friends all the way around the world, we stay low key and flex occasionally. This is one of them brothers who's doing major things coming out of Detroit, Michigan, about to do things to shift the men's mentality of this world, and I call him Ty, because believe it or not, I never knew his full name, but he, <laughs> most <laughs> people don't. <laughs> yeah, most people don't, but you ever come into Detroit, Michigan, there's a club um, in Southfield, Michigan, called The Punchline, one of the most sexiest, some of the flyers women, some of the sharpest brothers in the city come through and guess what they have of me there which is my residency once a year every month at the king weekend but we're going to discuss comedy we're going to discuss his business we're going to discuss his clothing line we're going to discuss his fatherhood ladies and gentlemen I introduce you to my man Ty from Punchline in Southfield Michigan Detroit Michigan the whole state of fucking Michigan what up, though? That's what we say What's in Detroit. Up, Y'all know that. It's what up, though. I was just saying that's where my mind went what blank. Up, I had to see you sit at the moment. I was going to say so what up, though. <laughs> what up, though? Yeah, you already know yes, you can't sir. introduce nobody from Detroit without saying what up, though. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, see, how about, let's talk about your kids, you, and start up with your Christmas, keeping it relevant, and then we'll go from there. How was everything with the children today? Oh, it's great, man. It's it's crazy when you think about the holidays because that's what that's what this day is about. You know what I mean? Like bonding with your family, the people that you love. And I had an opportunity to do that because I have four kids. I got a wife, um, so you know, two dogs. Uh, you know, <laughs> we got animals. It's like an animal kingdom in this house, man. You know, my my daughter, she loves animals. I got. One of my daughters, she's a sophomore in high school. She's the oldest, and I had a son. He's 12. I had another son that's nine who's – we're about to go to a national baseball tournament for him tomorrow in Florida. We leave tomorrow. Uh, he's a real big-time baseball player. Y'all will be hearing about him, Jacob Haygood. And then I got my baby girl who's five, man. So we just been vibing out for the holidays and opening gifts and going to family. You know, it's been great. That's that's so cool. Now, how did you how did you get your kids into sports? What was it about you and your wife that made you guys start that? Well, you know, like people always like laugh at me because I always tell them like I I'm a breeder, you know, because <laughs> I'm six four, uh, you know, my dad was six four, my mom was only five four, and I always said I'm like, damn, dad, I'm like I'm 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 I thought uh I thought I was gonna be you know taller than even he was. Because uh, of my feet was so big, man, I was wearing like a 14 in the seventh grade. You know what I mean? Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. And, uh, 
but I grew to be six four, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna have me some tall kids, man. So I, I met my wife. She's smart, tall, pretty. Uh, went to the University of Michigan. Uh, she's six one. So, you know, I always knew that my sons was gonna have size to them, and they both do. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I first introduced them to both the basketball. And then my mom wants for like a, a a Easter basket. Gave one of my my oldest son an Easter basket. Had a baseball glove in it. So we got to working with the baseball, and uh, you know, and uh, they both still play. Um, but my younger son is a national talent. Basically, he's he plays in national tournaments. He's uh, five foot four, nine years old. Pitched the ball. He got several different breaking balls. Pitch about 62, 63 miles an hour. Wow. Um, yeah, he's a monster. Fast. He'd be like, he's the biggest on the team, fastest on the team. You know, bats over, well, you know, he bats close to 600 all the time, plays up the year. So, yeah, I'm proud of him. Yeah, that sounds a potential, brother. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Now, now, how did you get into your clothing line game? Man, I, uh, I actually started a brand, shoot, now 20 years ago. And that was before people even, you know, had a lot of people even had clothing brands or lines, you know what I mean, or even tried mm-hmm. that, right? Or even were entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneur wave is, is rarely new. It's fairly new. My, my bad. It's fairly new ever since, like, the MySpace age and the social media started to curb in. You got this influx of entrepreneurs and um but I started mine, man, um, a long time ago. Um, I was traveling, man. I was always like I had an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I was always looking for a way to make make some money, man. I, I, I never, you know, I didn't know it at the time, I, you know, because back, in, back when I was in high school, you have career day. There was never, never not one person who ever mentioned that they wanted to have their own business. I never heard that. Awesome. Yeah, not one time, you know, but I was always the guy in school, like, trying to sell mixtapes and, you know, just kind of a hustler spirit, and I didn't know that that was, like, an entrepreneurial spirit at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that, you know, in hindsight, you know, I just realized that, like, entrepreneurs are kind of like the type of people that can, at any given moment, can be inspired to start something, right? Like, they mm-hmm. had that mentality, like, I want to, I, because that's the most important part to being successful at something is just the, not necessarily like like being like attached to the love of it because a lot of people say they love it, but you got to love more so like the journey and love entrepreneurship, not necessarily that specific business if that makes any sense. You just got to mm-hmm. love that 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 grind, you know. And, right. And, you know, I so not knowing all of these things, right? You know, I was. At the All Star Game in Philadelphia, I was in college, right? My like third year of college, and uh, I saw guys like walking around, and they had like these NBA logos all over their pants. And they was from New York, and this was a time when like throwback jerseys was everything, right? They were just coming in, and I I saw that, and I was like, damn, that's so fly! I had never seen anything like it. And I was like, man, I could come back to Detroit and do something similar to this because they ain't seen this, right? Because mm-hmm. back then, Detroit guys didn't travel, man. Right. See, a lot of you know, they didn't travel. 
man, we were some of the only Detroit guys in Philly, man. They didn't travel like they do now. So they weren't, they didn't see, and there was no social media for some, a lot of people to pick up on that. So I came back here to Detroit, uh, started to put, and I did it differently. Like I would just do one team, you know what I mean? Load the jeans up for one team, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I started doing that and I started selling jerseys and, you know, and I was always the type of person that, you know, if I started eating, like if it was a way I was getting a meal and I was eating, I didn't want to eat temporarily. I always wanted mm -hmm. like, how can I eat forever off this, right? Right. It's enough to eat like a year, two years. It's like, damn, man, I like this. How do I eat forever off of this? And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I got an idea. Um, at that same time, the uh, Pistons won the NBA championship. So that was pretty right. big, too. So I, start, so I started making Pistons T-shirts. I started making other T-shirts um, with different Scarface on them and movie covers, you know, and I was killing them, man. Now I got to the <laughs> point where I was taking care of every bill when me and my girl was just getting together. She had she had two master's degrees, man, and I was hustling. Right. And I was making more money than her. I paid every bill, her car note, the rent, everything off selling T-shirts, you know. Yeah. Yep. And then I got an idea to start a brand, and then I started my brand – and, and the rest is everything I'm doing now, man. It's a long story. So, you know, it's a 20-year journey, so I, I need a biopic to tell the whole thing, you know? Right. That's awesome, y'all, to, to, to see how you started it and, and where you're going. So you went from the sports, you went to the clothing business. Well, you started out the clothing business first because you had the entrepreneurship in your DNA. And then what made you swing over to being a promoter and business owner of the punchline? How did like how did that come about? <laughs> now this is one of the funniest stories, right? This is this is like a hilarious part of my journey, okay? So I was going to the University of Michigan for electrical engineering, okay? My dad and my uncle are both very like they are for motor company royalty when it comes to um, engineering, you can look them up. They got patents. Like my my uh, my dad's name is Norman Haygood Jr. You can Google him. He has U.S. patents in his name for developing different uh, technology for Ford. My uncle Juan Haygood helped develop the uh, the keyless entry with the combination lock. So it's like the, in my blood is like that technical right technology mm -hmm. being technical. So I was following those same uh, footsteps and started to go to Michigan uh, right. for engineering. Um, the World Trade Center bombing occurred, okay? Okay. And before that happened, we were in the technology era, okay? Tech okay. jobs, engineering, computer science, that was the thing to do. Okay? Right. That was an sure. industry that everybody, like, wanted to go into was hot. You know, that was when coming out of high school with 50, with 50 grand, 60 grand was like, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. so I'm like, let me go that route. Well, in the middle of that, it became hard to get internships because the economy began to crash. So at that same time, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to, like, I can't depend on a career. That's how I felt. Like, okay. I'm like, no, you know, I'm about to focus more on me, right? Focus more on what I'm doing, my business. So, um, at the time, my cousins were hanging around a lot of Lions football players, right? And uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, man, look, we need to start throwing parties. We hanging around these athletes for what? Like, I never was that guy. I'm not no part of nobody entourage. 
You know what I mean? Like, right. it's got to make sense for me. Like, I just don't hang around, though. That ain't me. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I, like what's up? So I'm telling my cousin, like, these are guys. Let's, let's do these parties, right? Because we hanging around these dudes. Let's try to make some bread. Mm-hmm. So we we I, so at the same time I'm, I'm I'm actually selling clothes as well. So I decided to focus on that. So I go have a meeting with my dad in the driveway, sitting in the car. I said, Dad, I'm going to drop out of school. He looked at me, looked extremely disappointed. He said, "What's mm-hmm. your plan?" I said, "What's your plan?" I said, "Well, my plan is is that I'm going to be a party promoter and I'm going to be a clothing." I'm going to have a clothing brand. I'm going to use my party promotions, right? I'm going to get clubs, rent them out, and I'm going to throw parties. I'm going to use those parties as a means to market my clothes. You know, I'm going to get radio okay. commercials. And then during the radio commercials, I'm going to mention my clothing brand. And I was like, that's really why I want to throw the party. I make money on the party and at the same time get free marketing for my clothing. Mm-hmm. He looked at me longer and said, so what's your plan? I said, man, right. I'm thinking like I just told him the plan. Yeah, <laughs> I just told him. He's not crazy as hell, but go ahead. Yeah, he's looking at me like I'm crazy because yeah. he's like, man, what are you talking about? I said, man, right. that's the plan. You know what I mean? And uh, and I continued that path to keep throwing parties and keep throwing parties. And then one at one point, man, I had to uh, open up a clothing store of my own, and man, I blew up. Okay, like I blew okay. up, and I had a partner. We was making so much money, man. It was unreal. Everybody knew it in the area that I was making that kind of money, you know? So right. a guy, these two older gentlemen, right, they were looking for a financial backer. Um, they had they called me, and they said, hey, um, they had a, they said, listen, it's between you and a, and, a, and a street guy. We can go to to get this money. We'd rather get this money from you. They said, mm-hmm. you know, we need some cheese to get this uh get the keys and we want to do a comedy club, right? So I'm like, all right. I went and looked at the place and I saw that the place had like this front part to it and in the back was comedy. And they were like, hey, we want to do this comedy. So I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to give you guys this money, but I I don't even want no parts of the comedy. I said, I just want to do this front part so y'all can have a comedy. That's what I told them, right? Yeah, that's what I told him. I, I was just going to do like a nightclub type thing in the front, very small part right. of the front. So um, I talked to one of my friends of mine about that. He told me I was crazy, that I should get a part of the comedy. He said, no, you get a part of everything. Don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. But then they were so, so you know, greedy, right? I ain't going to say greedy. That's just wrong because they might hear this. Okay. Like, damn, man, you call us greedy. No, they, I ain't going to say. I, I felt like it was at the time. But they was like, no, okay, right. we will we want a piece of the front too, you know? Right. So I was like, all right, we're just going to do this all together. Then, all right, forget it. I do the comedy. So we just started off doing comedy only in the back. And, you know, that's how, that's what led me into doing the comedy, uh, getting the comedy club is just being like, known to have made some money and known to be able to promote, right? Known to be able to get people in the building, being popular, and I got involved with the comedy club. Okay, okay. Yeah, because at first it was somebody else that was reaching out to me. Am I correct? Right, right, yeah. At first it was somebody else, and then those two, like two of my two of my friends bought them out. You okay. Know, so it's three of us now, and then they were the original guys that brought me in were, were bought out. 
Okay, okay, totally understand. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, believe me, life is a game of chess. All through your journey is going to be certain moves to create opportunities. If you listen to the story and you listen to your life, when something happens, just play it at hand because something down the line is going to benefit you. Now you got the clothing line. I mean, you got the fatherhood ship that you being a great dad. You're doing phenomenal comedy business called the Punchline. Now you started this other program because you see the, the, the death of the young men in this country, especially black men, which is, which is at an all-time high. And because of your boys, this has disturbed you to lead you to what you're doing now. And I want you, I wanted to come out of your mouth first before I say it. And I want you to explain how you got to this movement. Yeah, I, man, I'm, I'm so, and, and TK, I really, really appreciate you bringing this up, right? I do. I uh, really mm-hmm. appreciate you asking me about this. Um, I wasn't expecting it, but I appreciate it. So um, I I ended up, so I'll just tell you what, I'll tell what happened. So I ended up basically during the pandemic, right, I uh, had to convert the comedy club. I, and, and like before the pandemic, I started a sports bar in that front area that I talked about previously. We ended right. up developing a sports bar in the front, closed the walls off, and then so a sports bar in the front, comedy in the back. And then uh, during the pandemic, it was like no older people. I mean, you know, comedy clubs are like older people. It's an older demographic, right? So mm-hmm. with, all, you know, COVID, we all know, you know, older people didn't want to sit in the close proximity next to each other. They weren't even going out. So we had to convert it, the whole building, into more of a almost like a nightclub, man. Um, right. And it attracted a younger audience, kind of like a – you know, young crowd. Right. So one day, go ahead. They get both for the dollar. Right. Old and and the younger. Mm -hmm. Right. So one day, uh, there's these young guys in the back, and the the DJ plays a song. I guess this song happened to be about them, like a disc record. Okay. And they were like, hey, play the response, play the response. And the DJ, I guess he didn't even realize, you know, what was going on, what the song was about. He was like, but they demanded it, like, and he had to play this other song. When he played this other song, which is a response to this other group, these guys, some, I guess somebody went, like, kind of like live on social media, Instagram or something. Okay. And, and uh, whoever they were who was rapping about them saw where they were. Before Whoa. these guys could leave the parking lot, this these other guys came, drove up there, and started shooting at these guys in the parking lot, man. Okay? I mean, could have hit anybody. Right. I mean, could have hit anybody, man. Anybody could have lost their life over that. And I couldn't believe it. I said, man, this is this the power of this music that these guys are making and talking about. And it's a and it's you know getting played and getting promoted and getting pushed. People are investing multiple millions and billions of dollars into that, right. into something that can have that result in that. Because a country music song can't result in that. A rock and roll song can't result in that. The only form of music that can result in that is rap, and that's mm-hmm. in our culture. 
you know. And so I got an idea because I'm a clothing designer and I'm in the clothing business. I said, man, I want to make a, a, some clothes that says stop rapping about killing. And uh, I'm, and then I and I set a really low price point for it. And then a friend of mine said, you sh- that's not, and I told the, 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 my friend the price. And they were like, no, you, that's a nonprofit. You know, you're doing, that's, you can't make, that's not even a profitable situation. I said, I want it to be profitable. I want to, I want to make an impact. They said, well, you should just do it as a nonprofit. You need to start a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. So I, that led me to start to, I'm in the beginning stages of forming a nonprofit organization called KISC, K-I-S-C, and it stands for Kids Impacted by Street Culture. Okay. And um, I believe that our our culture and the street culture that's being um, further perpetuated by music and things of that nature is the number one cause of our socioeconomic um, lag. And and as far as when it comes to eliminating each other, killing each other, ending up in the system, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you stop that, you know, economically we'll do better if we got more people able to earn who can stay out of trouble, who can learn how to solve conflicts better. And so the goal of the movement is to stop the promotion of gun violence as a means for conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Love it. Keep going. So that's what we want to do. And and my thing is it's not about stopping the artist that's already kind of living off of it, right? It's like, you know, we would like them to tone it down. But I'm I'm going to tell you my goal would be for a date to be set. Um, it's funny what inspired me by this date, right? I was looking at the news, and the news said in Thailand they were going to out by the year 2024 or 2023. No, it's not 2023. I think it's 2025. By okay. 2025, it will be illegal in Thailand to um, have extramarital sex or or sex without marriage. Okay? okay, so you have to be, you can't live together if you're not married, and you're not, have, not to have premarital sex, right? Right. And the, that goes in effect this certain date. So I thought about that as far as, the, as far as this movement went and said, well, imagine if we could have a date set, right? Whereas mm-hmm. in, hey, we're going to promote and, and tell, tell artists, new artists, inspire new artists that, hey, by 2028 or 2025, YouTube, record labels, uh, they're going to not, like the investment in rapping about killing and street culture, and like the the street culture about just murdering people, right, putting legal modifications on guns and spraying up blocks and rapping about these things, rapping about people you actually kill, crimes that you commit, you know, all of these things, we want to make that not cool. So it's like that, if, if there's a date, go ahead, what would you say? It makes sense. I've been around a long time, and we need some type of structure, and parents need to hop on this movement. People with common sense need to hop on this movement because these kids are dying for nothing, for nothing, from jewelry to just being over a girl's house because you was a rapper or any man, young kid. People are dying for some senseless bullshit. That doesn't make no damn sense, and I pray for all young men who are breathing now, my boys, your boys, because all it takes is somebody who just got one screw off 
or one who's totally emotional because you said something to this girl or ex-girlfriend because not just because you got money. See, some people are jealous because you got a personality. Some people are jealous because of the way you smile. Some people are jealous because of how other people like you. And I always used to say, we all have the, we all have this. Everybody gets jealous. Everybody gets insecure. It's how do you control your emotions? That's what it comes down to. You have to learn to control your and you know what, T, and, and the thing about it is energy is created, right? Right. And so, you know, and sometimes we can't articulate what that energy is. We call it emotion. We call it whatever, right? But it's an energy, right? So somebody, mm-hmm. I'm not jealous or I'm not this cool, okay? We don't have to classify it as that. But let's see, how do we channel our energy, right? How right. do we challenge that, channel the energy that's created from a certain moment, a certain uh, interaction with somebody, a certain disagreement with somebody, right? And what mm-hmm. people don't understand is when you pump up into your head this music and the things that you listen to, right, your energy is like your subconscious is already digesting this every single day on what to do when there's bad energy created, a certain type of energy, and it's True. violence. That's what's going into your mind. That's what's going into your subconscious. That's what's going into your, mm-hmm. your reflexes is violence, Something happened. Pull the gun. Pow. Right. Go get the gun. Shoot them. Kill them in their lives. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you're digesting. And imagine if, 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 for one, right, this becomes unpopular to make that kind of music, and then we can have social programs to teach conflict resolution at an early age, okay? Yeah. Let's teach conflict resolution. Let's make this uncool. Okay, let's let's um let's really um promote and show there there was a two rival rap groups. Um one and then this is not even talked about a, a lot and I really I really hate that it's not. Um back in the day, uh Detroit, they there was these two rival groups that kind of split up. They were called the East Side Cheddar Boys and they were the West Side Cheddar Boys. The West Side Cheddar mm-hmm. Boys are also known as the Street Lords, okay? Okay. There was a there was some disagreement and some things that happened that resulted in in one of the East Side Cheddar Boys being murdered at, at the club that I was throwing my first parties at. Okay, right. The very next day, they went and they thought that one of the West Side guys was responsible for it, and they went after their most popular artist and shot him up. And then he started making songs, and the the tension ended in him being murdered as well. And it wow. was you know, a east side, west side beef. Um, that kind of happened within Detroit. And then later on down the road, two other groups emerged, and they uh, caught the – this was – and they're not even separate. This is like another generation later. Um, the team east side with their popular now and the, and the Doughboys, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, these guys ended up – starting to have disagreements and beef and, and, and started to divide the east and west side again, okay? Okay. Um, they end up getting into it. The, the the rivals got into it at a at a big show downtown, and they got into a big, bad brawl, and some of the guys were beat up pretty bad and knocked unconscious because they were smaller guys, right? Um, then through separate incidents, each one of those entities end up losing one of their members to gun violence, but it was it wasn't 
through their beef, okay? Mm-hmm. They one set lost their their guy to something else, and then they lost a guy. And I don't know if that was what inspired these two these two groups, man. But do you know that and these guys had a beef that was normally in our city would have turned out bloody, okay? And these guys are very popular now. They're they're these are the most some of the most popular guys in Michigan, man, in Detroit. And they squashed that beef, man. You know, they squashed that beef, and they're now cool. And and that okay. is an example of, of brothers having a, a conflict resolution and putting a, aside embarrassment. Because imagine some of these guys were beat up, you know, and, 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 and being filmed unconscious on the ground after being beat up. And they were able to to come up above that yeah. and realize that this hey, is, you know, hey, man, we, you know what I mean? That it's something bigger yeah. out here. And they cool now. They make songs together now, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is these are popular guys. Some of these guys are making, man, these guys are like, now you know the Detroit rap scene is huge. The Doughboys were signed to Jeezy at one point, and now, you know, the, some of these other guys that was involved in that, man, they're big time right now. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um... It's sad, not just that story, but stories of that such nature all around the world that I love this movement you're doing. And like I said, when you get it up and running, I'm definitely going to support it, definitely going to rock it and make sure that we really push this message because I'm behind it. Like I hate when I go on Black, when I go on these different shows, 90% of the time, except this time I just did them, no one here. Well, no, it's... Um, um, takeoff had just died. And Vlad asked me, what did I think about that? And I wanted to tell the young kids, especially rappers, that you, when you start getting money, I know we, they say, oh, keep it real. You, you, you with the hood. But the thing is, when you get paid, you got to separate yourself because now you're a target to your community. Now you're a target to the friends you grew up with because somebody in your circle is jealous. And when you're rich, you don't gamble in a mall. When you're rich, you gamble at a casino. You go to a casino. They got cameras to watch. They got the security to protect you. And they got professionals to do whatever game that you want to play. And those things are important for people to understand that. But see, that's why... That's okay. So let me just tell you this, right? <clears throat> so people who invest money into these individuals to become this, right? They mm-hmm. know. So what comes along with that, right? Is that it's funny, man. Like they know it. They know that the 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 subject matter that these guys talk about. They know that it's expected by their audience that they keep um, a foot into that, right? It's like they right. have to live that lifestyle still. So you know you're not investing in a product, right, that's um, going to get popular by doing this and totally, right, leave and go start a family and start taking, you know, Hallmark pictures, right? You know what I mean? That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? They're going right. to still have a, a leg in the streets, a foot in the streets. And they have so the audience expects that of them, and the people who are investing that knows that. Because guess what? Any other corporation, right, that won't invest. It, it, just take a basketball player. And let's just say he's good or whatever. Um, if they see that this basketball player hangs around that type of person, 
right, those type of individuals still in the streets and things of that nature, they don't want to invest in that type of guy. You understand what I'm saying? They don't even want that right. type of guy in their organization. But when it comes to that music and that in- industry, they'll invest. And then they use other – think about this. They use other black men as the, as to funnel it to them. Man, this stuff is deep. You know, they oh, let, oh you go. This is – I'm going to give you the money, right? And you're going right. to go and sign this guy. They know what they're financing, man. They're mm-hmm. financing the death and the destruction of our people, and they know it. Because right. they know good and well that they're, that they're going to invest in to this individual who's still going to be in the streets, who's still commit, who's probably really con- committing these crimes that they're talking about, and they fully are aware of that. Fully aware. Yes, they are. Fully aware of that, man. Yeah, so man. That's, we have to put the pressure on them to stop investing in that, man. Because you're investing yeah, cause in that. Yeah, because when I saw the breakfast club with uh, Viola, whatever his name is, and he talks about he knows that, and he got his family to feed. He doesn't care when Charlamagne brought up Damon Dash about being the vulture culture. He actually said he didn't know Damon Dash. He said, I don't know him. So the white man is so rich, he knew that he's the rock with Damon and pretty much said, I don't know him. So they don't care. And all we got to do is just promote, promote, promote. And whether we get two people or a thousand people out of millions to listen, you're doing your thing. It's not something that can happen overnight. It's something that has to be pushed all the time. And I, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to start putting in my stand-up as well. I think it's important, man. And I think it's important to let the guys that are doing it now understand nobody's trying to stop their bag. We we don't want right. a ten year old or eleven year old to start to develop right because like at like think about this right a five or six year old kid watches Steph Curry right and they want to mm-hmm. be a basketball player and Steph Curry comes in and he's the star so everybody starts to shoot threes <laughs> right when right. when Allen Iverson was the star everybody wanted to dribble. So they start to pattern their games after whoever's the most successful that they see on TV, right? That's so true. If they see a guy rapping about guns and violence and shooting and killing everybody, that's what they're going to talk about. And that's what we want to stop because it's, get, it's going too far. Yeah. Right? It's getting too uh, explicit. And, and, you know, the thing about it is is that we want to talk about uh, having the, conscious, the consciousness of censorship. But people hate censorship and things of that nature and talk bad about it. But the thing is is that one, back in the day, right, Biggie had a line in his, in, his, in his bar that said, I don't care if you're pregnant. He was talking about Robin. He said, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're pregnant. Give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant. Puffy, mm-hmm. Puffy blurted that he didn't want to be associated with that. So, you know, if you ever heard that song, it it's even in an uncensored, in the explicit version of that song, that's, uh, it's not bleeped out. It's like, it, it'll be like, I don't care if you, you know what I mean? How they like right. muff it out so you can't hear them say pregnant. Mm-hmm. And all you say is, I don't care if you, they give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant. You know what right, I mean? I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so... That awareness, <laughs> like, 
we're we're now we're pushing way worse than that, right? Yes. <laughs> we pushing. We was robbing a pregnant lady. That's bad in itself, right? To yes, rob it a is. pregnant woman. That's awful, right? But robbing someone and actually uh, being a serial killer of young black teenage boys, we're 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 that's okay. We're invested in that. We're putting money behind that. YouTube has has got videos of fourteen year old boys smoking weed, holding guns. Nobody cares. We're not. We got to take control of that because we won't make it. Our people won't make it. Mm-hmm. That's true. We won't make it, man. We keep yeah. on going this direction, man. We won't make it. Yes, sir. I agree with you one thousand percent. It's it's really bad. It's really bad, T. So, ladies and gentlemen, listen. How can they follow you, um, T? Let's give them your your handles from your Instagram to your future website to your clothing line, so people can start following you. Because this is really one of the best interviews I've had on my show. It's, it really it has substance and um, and I like that. All right, and I, and, I, and let me let me say, T, um, thank you, thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad to be associated with what you have going on. You're doing big things. You always have been a solid guy. I can't wait to our show in Detroit, Martin Luther King weekend. We can chop it up. Oh more. yeah. Um, but for my Instagram handles, um, my personal Instagram is at flyty underscore 81. So that's my personal page. And if you go there, you'll see all my pages that are, that are associated with me except the new one, which is uh, okay. Stop Rapping About Killing. I actually have that Instagram handle, Stop Rapping About Killing. So you can, if you go to, like I said, flyty underscore 81, and then you can also go to um, Stop Rapping About Killing. And then you'll see everything, all my other pages, all my other businesses, everything that I'm doing. And uh, and like I said, you know, I, I, I and I'm looking forward to getting some new people to to join this movement to help us out, man. Right now, tell them about your t-shirts, your hoodies, your sweatshirts, how they can get that because you're gonna start selling those as well. Yeah, so that's that's if they follow, stop rapping about killing and follow me, they'll see when that's gonna be launched. Um, the the beauty about these t-shirts now, like my clothing brands, I sell hoodies for like two hundred dollars, hundred. Twenty dollars, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use the same hoodie that I sell for not for two hundred, but the same hoodie that I sell with my brand for one twenty. I'm actually mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna sell the uh, stop rapping about killing hoodies for fourteen dollars, okay? And I'm gonna mm-hmm. sell the t-shirts for nine dollars. I want everybody to have them, and I want everybody behind it. I want everybody to be rocking these pieces that say that I want this um, conversation. Um, out there. I want to be, you know, I want this conversation had on the Breakfast Club, right, eventually, right, Right. where people, Mm -hmm. you know, on that platform, we can have the dialogue and talk about how is this really possible to do to make this uncool. Because the first thing to do is make it uncool. Like, this isn't cool. We don't like it. Right. Because they act like it's cool. They sure do. It's not cool. Look at Young Thug right now, T. Look at him. Yes. Yes. Look at him, bro. He was rapping about this stuff. Okay, why would I? Wa- okay, you rapped about it. You really lived it. Okay, you 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 didn't uh, make the money and 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 go progressing and, and go leave and 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 get a wife and kids. No, you still you getting accused of 
finance and hits and murder and you get a recall and everybody's telling on you. Right. And it goes from some of the top guys in this game. I've been around a long time. The mindset of how people think ass backwards. When we was coming up, the goal was to get the money to leave the hood and make something yourself, not get the money, come back and destroy your community. Don't make no damn sense. And with Young Thug, he got, <clears throat> I read this morning, he got 300 witnesses that's going to testify. It's going to take a year for his trial. And there's no plea deal on the table as of yet. No, everybody and what I got said when it first, they want him. Right. But see, here's the thing. I always taught people that when you got a case of that magnitude on you, the goal is to control your own destiny. You know you're going to prison, but you tell your attorney, tell them we don't want, we don't want to go to trial. What's the deal? Now, let's say they say 40 years. You say, nah, you postpone it, you go sit another six months because you're not getting out anyway. So you go, you go another six months when you come back. They offer you probably the same thing. Nah, go sit another six months. You stay in there. I don't care if it's five years. You stay in there until you get the number that you want because it's going to be better than life. See, well, they're not going to let you on bail. That, see, the plan, I, and this is what I believe, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know, right? But it's like mm-hmm. when you're doing that, right, it's like, I could I could only imagine these guys that's on the on the lower level. They feel like they're the low hanging fruit. So it's like, okay, we're the low hanging fruit. The top dog's got the money. When the low hanging fruit gets caught, the top dog spends the money on the legal defense so that, so it don't come back on him. And he'll get us out, right? But mm-hmm. when they came with the whole Rico, right? Their whole thing is like, nope, you don't have enough money to fight us and pay for them. So you're done. Oh, they don't have no defense. So now right. it's like you're done because now they're not going to, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, whatever you thought, now you thought they was going to stay solid based on this code and everything that you're talking about, but nobody cares. No, they're worried about themselves. It's like you only care about yourself, and that's the thing. Yeah. So you'll, 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 you'll poison the whole community protect, so your family can eat. Well, them guys will throw your ass under the bus so they should stay with their family. They don't give a right. hell about you. That they don't give a, a hell about sense, that code. I know them kids. Because I know them kids didn't have the kind of money it was going to take to fight that case. Hell no, they don't. He, they don't either. Gunner and right. stuff don't either. They ain't got mm-hmm. that money. Them guys, them guys spend that money. They ain't got that money to fight no case. People think all right. these people so rich just because you see how much money they got. Man, they spend the money. They can't yep, fight no case. Mm-hmm. Meek Mill couldn't fight his. He had to get help yep. to fight that case. He was just popping willies and couldn't. Like, right. Oh, man, that guy couldn't fight, fight a case of popping willies. Had to have people come bail them out, man. People don't be having That's no so money true. to fight no case. It's, right. it's all fun and games so that hammer come down, man. They want to rap about this stuff and wear dresses and all this craziness, man. And then now, now look at y'all, man. You know what yep. I mean? Now, now, not a hammer, not a hammer down on you. You know what I mean? And and these guys are turning. You thought they was gonna be solid. They not fighting the state Rico. Thought y'all could fight it and beat it. Oh, yeah, we ain't no gang. And maybe, hey, listen, 
you know, T, if they would all had the money, they might have been able to beat the state Rico. Say, hey, we ain't no gang, you know what I mean? Right. If everybody would have yeah. stayed solid. Because you need money. And from 28 people getting arrested, you was going to have to spend <laughs> about $40 million, not more. <laughs> Yo, that's what, see, these kids don't understand that when, when I'm talking on Vlad, when I'm talking on these, all these different platforms, they they hit me. All this nigga know what the fuck he talk about. Um, <laughs> he a public defender. He want to get a nigga locked up. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And you can play if you want to. If you ain't got that motherfucking bread. And I oh. found something when I was fighting the case. Even when you have a black attorney, there's still racism. See, I was fighting a case years ago. And when I had this black attorney, it was a white judge. She didn't really respect my attorney. He came in with a ponytail, was black, and he was from out of state. Mm-hmm. And that's the first mistake you make. I tell these people because of this experience. I told people why Bill Cosby should have beat this case the first time because he brought an out-of-state attorney into a local area and what you got to mm. do. And you young kids, listen to me. If you ever got a case, what I used to do, I would go to the court for weeks to see what attorney had a relationship with the judge. I would follow that attorney out, ask for their card, that I've set up a meeting because the goal is relationships in the community. That judge might owe that attorney a favor one day or vice versa. They might play golf together. And even on a case this magnitude, you want an attorney who has a relationship with the judge. Not saying you're going to get off. Not saying they're not going to follow the code of ethics. But trust me, when you go in with a true, respectable attorney, things can happen for you. Now, young thug situation, if it wasn't a murder involved, things could have been much different. It's from YBI. It's like Young um, Young Boys Incorporated. It's like BMF. like any um, gang across the country. They've been watching you for years. It's when you started killing people that they took it up a notch on your ass. And two, the goal, and remember this, young men and women, get the money, take care of your family, and travel the world. I've been to jail. I've been to Rikers. I've been to the tombs. I've been to Railway State Prison. When they lock the motherfucking jail cells on your ass, and they start bringing you that slop. When you start sitting next to crazy-ass men in, at, at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, when you go through processing and they, you take a shower and they throw this powder on your ass and they water you down and they hand you your, your sleepwear, old-ass jail outfits, underwear and T-shirt that about, 3,000 other niggas I've had on their ass. Booty hugger underwear. Dirty fucking socks. 
old-ass sandal that's been there for fucking 20-something years. Man, I swear to you, you'll say to yourself, man, I could have did this another way. And then sometimes you don't even see the light. Like, sometimes you're in jail, you don't even know what time it is because there's no sun. It's just you just think of one big day. It's not worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my man Ty. Listen, we're putting together, let me tell you something. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. There's a lot of great stand-up comedians on this planet, but there is no one like T to the motherfucking cat. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and, and let me tell you something. All the comedians do well, but here's what I like. My shows are 99% women. They come see this fly-ass old nigga. And, fellas, if you're looking for a fine, bad-ass-looking woman, nigga, come to my shows. Because they want me, but guess what? I'm only one dude. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have them all. You can't take care of them all. I can't take <laughs> care of them all. So if you, if you got swag, if you got character as a man, if you're working, you got a, a nice book because the women come to my shit got their shit together because they're trying to be with TK. I'm telling you, and I'm not even being egotistical. These are facts. And I just want men, you got to be solid when you come to my show, fellas. Am I right or wrong, T? Oh, no, ain't no doubt, bro. You ain't, hey, I ain't heard no lies. I would have stopped you. You know, I, hey, I can't be a part of no lies. I would have had to stop you. Right. But I mean, when you come, when you come to, I mean, listen, I've seen some. Look, you pulled off some remarkable uh, things really fast. Um, you know, when that promoter put you at my at my club once, and you came in town, and he only had like twenty four hours, bro. I mean, and, and we was looking at the sales like, dang, how is he going to do this? You know, the funny thing is, I was like, man, I wanted to see if it could be done. You know, because right. we, I, me, me and the girl that run our site, I'm not gonna lie, we said he's gonna lose. And, you know, I was going to make money regardless, right? He wanted to do it, and I was going to make money regardless because he was going to have some people on my spot, and I was going to be closed anyways, you know. So I'm like, right. I'm going to be out. He's going to have somebody here whether he make his money. And I don't, I don't, think, I don't know if that's possible. And when he right. did, and I said, damn. I'm like, dude, I didn't even know TK's name was that strong for this dude to actually make a profit as a promoter in a small <laughs> venue. That, that was the most money anybody ever paid to come to a show. You know what I mean? Wow. Yep, it mm -hmm. was the most. It was the most. And, 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 and honestly, that test, that was like a test market for me. And that gave me the confidence to book people, other artists, you know, with a small space, right? Because right. everybody's price went up. So it's like, all right, I see this. Let me let me go ahead. And I got confidence. Not these people willing to pay. They paid. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, okay, good test market. Now I see, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, you know, that you was the benchmark for that, man. Yes, sir. And I always tell these young men, like I said, I stay low-key. I don't flex. If these, if these comedians knew what I was pulling at the doors, if they would be like, get the fuck out of here. But you know, T, we ain't got to discuss it. But you oh, know, yeah. you've sure. seen it. Nigga, I'm, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, listen, I know you got some other comics, but ain't nobody doing 
a T to the motherfucking K is doing. And I want y'all to come to all my shows. First is going to be this weekend. I'm coming up. I'm going to be at the world-famous Uptown Comedy Corner in Atlanta for New Year's Eve weekend. Listen, it's a sellout every fucking year. That Friday, New Year's Eve, that Saturday, that Sunday, and I'm flying out to Bermuda just to relax every day with my youngest daughter because while the kids are working, says so I'm just going to lay on the beach with my daughter. We're just going to work out, swim. Then I come back, and I come back to the motherfucking the D, and I arrive on a Wednesday. We got TV promotion. We got radio promotion because we are going to turn the punchline, the fuck up comedy shows, after party on some grown up shit, drinks, and and I take pictures of everybody. Like I believe in that. I'm I'm humble about this life. I love people. I want to be associated with you. I want to shake your hand because see, I used to work forty hours a week. My life could have went other ways. Everybody know my reputation, but what's so cool? I'm still on this earth. And I got to change the narrative about me. And like I said, I'm the flyest old nigga you would ever meet. And to you young niggas, see, I go to the doctor. I take care of my body. I take care of my skin. I floss my teeth. I get manicures and pedicures. I like smelling good. I want you young men to be the same way. You have to love yourself. You got to work out. You got to eat. You got to read. You can't be emotional. You can't be no bitch-ass nigga. If you're a bitch-ass nigga, don't even be in no relationship. But at the same time, love yourself. If your girl ain't treating you right, let her go, vice versa. But if you are in Michigan, the punchline. T, tell them how to get the tickets. Tell them how they can get whatever they need for this particular weekend because we're rocking from that Friday to that Sunday. Let's make it happen. Tell them what to do, T. So, so yes, yes. So, to get the tickets, you just go to comedypunchline.com. That's comedypunchline.com. You'll see the tickets. You'll see uh, TK show there. And you got to get the tickets um, while they last because they sell fast, so I wouldn't mess around. Right. Now, don't be no last minute type person. Right. This will be on 24 hours. I'm serious, ladies and gentlemen. He's not lying. When these tickets go after the after New Year's Eve, they're going to start selling immediately. But after New Year's Eve, the first, it's a wrap. Oh, yeah. No, they're going to be getting out of there quick, especially especially to, like, Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, that's what people don't understand. They call, and they like, oh, you got Saturday tickets? It's like, no, nah, you waited to the last minute. Like, why did you do that? Like, we don't have no. Saturday tickets. You know, and, you know, like, you got to go. You got to book what we got. You know what I mean? You come right. this early, yeah. you know, here, right? And then, oh, you got any more seats? You call them like, no, y'all had all day. We just, I've been telling y'all. You know, I like when yeah. they call and the tickets is gone. I that's love hilarious. It. I love it, though, but that's so fucking ass backwards. Make yeah, a decision, ladies and gentlemen, you come. Because we're going to pack the place. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is my man, T. This is TK Kirkland Podcast. If you have a story... And you think the world needs to hear it. If you spoke to me before and I said I was going to get back to you and I haven't, please forgive me. But DM me again and say, TK, you forgot me because sometimes I do forget. There was a young man 
that hit me about two weeks ago. He still wanted me to do his interview. When I first rapped to him, he was a freshman in college. The nigga has graduated from college already. <laughs> that's, that's how fast in my world, ladies and gentlemen, time flies. And if I said I was going to do something, believe me, I had to be so busy that I forgot or I just couldn't find it in my DM. That's why when you want something, stay persistent that that person doesn't forget you. This is the TK Kirkland Podcast, Uptown Comedy. Um, December 30th, 31st, January 1st. Um, Punchline, January 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. Listen, I only come to Detroit twice a year because I found my lane. I don't have to do the five. See, I don't have to be on the show with four or five other comics where it just gives me 15, 20 minutes of all of us got to shine. And nothing against that if I came up. But I love doing what I do, the way I do it, because I'm my own boss. Because y'all know what it is. I'm T to the motherfucking K. T, it was a pleasure. Enjoy your family. To all my friends around the world, London, Germany, UK, Paris, um, um, Japan, Australia, Jersey City, New Jersey, Miami, Florida, um, Texas, Compton, California, the Oakland Bay Area. You know I love you guys all and everybody in between. May your pain be champagne. May your holidays be um, complete and happy. And may you have the year you deserve. See, may God bless us and um, continue successful, man. Much love. Much love. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, Pam. Peace. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland for more information about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.